Later today, it's day three of the gripping trial of Jennifer Crumbly. It continues in Oakland County Circuit Court as the proceedings unfolded. Some shocking revelations emerged, painting a picture of her actions in the aftermath of the shooting. And on the JR Morning Live line is Teresa Baldis. She's a reporter for the Detroit Free Press. She's been closely following the trial's development. Teresa, thank you so much for being here on JR Morning. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Shed some light on on the latest testimony regarding uh, Jennifer Crumbly's involvement, particularly her behavior in the days following the shooting. So in the days, as, you, as we can all remember, uh, there, there was a fugitive task force out looking for them. They, uh, and, and it was uh, presumed or alleged that they, they were on the run. And the couple has long maintained that, no, we were not on the run. We were scared. We stayed in a hotel. Then we hid out one night in our friend's uh, warehouse. And, and so what emerged on, uh, in, in court last week, which startled everybody, were these text messages that she had on her burner phone. Um, that she had deleted. And on those text messages, she was texting her boss, literally the words, uh, you know, we are on the run, helicopters hurling, I'll keep up with you. And then, you know, uh, that same night, she texts, we're F blank, 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 blank. And then uh, 24 hours later, uh, they were arrested at that, uh, uh, at the warehouse in Detroit. So it, it shows um, that they, you know, the text messages, I mean, they speak for themselves, so I'm not going to say what they show, but, you know, essentially you have it in her, you know, her words, uh, you know, we're on the run. And the reason for your listeners why that matters to the prosecution, the prosecution has maintained that the reason they fled and were on the run is because they knew that they were uh, allegedly responsible for what happened, and, they, and, and then they left. Who do you think might come up next on the stand for, for the prosecution? Well, you know, that we don't know. And, and this is what's been unlike other trials. Usually we know uh, ahead of time, not always, but the day before they'll announce it in court. But uh, th- this has been a, a diff- you know, a d- different. They, they, don't, uh, they don't tell us. Um, uh, we, you know, their witness list is huge. Um, but, you know, they, they, we, we don't know. But right now it appears what they're doing. So the first day they spent building the case of how the shooter got the gun. And, and the, you know, they showed the family at the shooting range together, the dad buying him the gun. And so it all focused on the purchase of the gun. And then the next day they got into, second day of trial, they get into the text messages where the shooter is texting his friend and his mom that he's seeing things and they're trying to establish. Now they're showing how they allegedly knew that he was depressed and spiraling and so forth. So they're sort of building this case. One of the things that in the aftermath, we were assured by the family's defense attorneys that they had secured the weapon, that they had acted responsibly, uh, that it wasn't just left out on a nightside table. And yet we heard some damning testimony. It was so infuriating that they had a gun safe but never programmed it, Teresa? Um, actually, you know, what, what's coming out, I, I don't think the public is quite yet in tune with where the gun was. No one knows where that gun was. And the safe that had the combination on it, um, uh, whether it was, pro, you know, programmed or, or not, um, yeah, yes, it, it, had, it had the person who's testified so far has no idea what the, the safe was actually perhaps programmed to or not. All this person that has testified so far is what they found on the scene when they got there. They don't know where the gun case was that the gun was in. 
um, or where the weapon was. None of that has come in. All we, that's come into testimony so far is that, hey, this safe was set to zero, 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 zero. Right. And perhaps, perhaps it was the entire time. But let me remind all your listeners right now, there is no safe storage law in Michigan or the federal government. It, 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 they, they, and this wasn't the case. They didn't have the gun just laying out anywhere. But even if they did in Michigan, you can have your gun laying on the kitchen counter, on the living room table, on the, and there's no law that says that's illegal. But if you have so a whatever, depressed teen in the house, there is a reasonable expectation, I think, amongst most parents, and the jury has a well, lot of parents on it. Is, yeah, yeah, right. That, that you would secure that weapon from that child, especially just just out of concern for self harm. Absolutely, that that is. But I'm I'm just reminding people what the law is, what the law says. And yes, I mean to all those parents on there. I mean, in the end, the law may mean nothing. They may look at all this and say, you know, you had a uh, a child who was who was depressed. You, you know, you, you gave him access to a gun. You had a paper that you looked at that was alarming and you left him in school and you didn't bring him home. I mean, I think those, I still think this is going to come down to a parenting, you know, decision where, you know, that they, they were irresponsible parents. Were they negligent, grossly negligent? You know, you got a lot of parents on that jury and a lot of this stuff I, I think is, is going to resonate pretty strongly with them as you suggest. But again, I know I, I'm just, I'm speaking off the cuff here. So the shooter will not be on the stand, will not take the stand in this trial? No, 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 he won't. And also, here's something else to note. This, it'll come out, but we reported on this before. The the weapon at issue wasn't just out. It wasn't, uh, say, in his room. It wasn't, um, where they're maintaining it was secured. We're going to hear testimony that it was secure. The bottom line is, though, that this kid had access to it, was able to get it, and did what he did. And, and you know, you've got a lot of gun owners uh, on this jury. Twelve of the 17 grew up with guns. Seven of them have guns. So, they're, you know, and I listened to them during uh, voir dire. You know, they talked about, oh, no, 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 lock it up, secure. Kids can't get to these no matter what. You know, and, and so, the, you know, the prosecution is building a case here. Uh Jennifer Crumbly is expected to testify, which is a sticky situation possibly for her. Yes, yes, she she is going to take the stand and uh boy that's that's going to be a wild one because she's she's you know broken down both days in court already. I, I don't know how she's going to be on the stand, but you know in in some way perhaps I I suspect she thinks I'm the only one who can speak for myself. You know, a, a lot of defense lawyers are very skeptical of putting a client on the stand, particularly in a situation like this. But she wants to, so she's going to, and we'll be there. The prosecution's been somewhat upset at defense and at Jennifer Crumbly for showing so much emotion in the courtroom. They feel that it may be prejudicial, but can you really blame them when they look at these videos what human would not be devastated by seeing what they saw and and right. to, to what degree can they restrict that right well you know and that that was probably one of the more dramatic moments in the courtroom when when the the defense and the prosecutor went at it i mean boy they are they are sparks are flying in there between those two sides the judge said before this all started listen everybody please um, if you're going to get emotional, she didn't instruct anyone not to show emotion, but she said, if you're going to feel overwhelmed, please step outside so it doesn't disrupt the proceedings. Mm-hmm. And and the prosecution felt that she was speaking to them, 
so afterwards when, you know, Karen McDonald stood up and said, you know, Your Honor, I don't think it's fair that you tell us not to show motion that you have the, the defendant and her and her lawyer over here sobbing and, oh, boy, you know, sparks flew. But, yeah, I, I mean, you, you I mean, it's it's a human emotion. And, and the judge has been fantastic at, at maintaining calm, directing uh, all parties to sort of, you know, hey, cool down, stay level headed. And she's been very even handed. Teresa Ball, this is the reporter for the Detroit Free Press watching the Jennifer Crumbly trial. Teresa, uh, Teresa, thank you so much for being here. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Take care. And coming up, Bill Keenis, former vice president of public relations for the Detroit Lions for 32 years. He's going to join us and we'll talk more about He's those seen it Lions. all. He has seen it all. <laughs> and he, I'm sure he saw a lot yesterday, too. <laughs> that he hadn't seen before. <laughs> of course. Yeah. We'll be talking to uh, Bill. And also uh, later on, we'll be speaking with Nolan Finley, editorial page editor for the Detroit News, our special Monday segment with him. But coming up, Bill Keenis, the 735 on JR Morning.